Welcome back to another episode of the My Latin Life podcast. Since 2014, My Latin Life has been your guide to traveling and living in Latin America. Today, I'm joined by a guest. His name is Kyle, and he goes by the Travel Money Guy. That is the Travel Money Guy. What's up, Kyle? How's it going, man? Hey, what's up, Vance? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's it's awesome to get you on. Uh, there's, <laughs> I guess uh, I heard about you through uh, Dan Rustin, Danny Boo Boo, um, and there's been like a consistent sort of Colombia and Medellin theme uh, on, on the early podcast guests, but we'll diversify eventually. But, uh, I guess we're going deep on Medellin for <laughs> a, a lot of the, the first couple episodes we have. Yeah. Not a bad idea just to, uh, yeah, pick one city and really dive deep. Cause, uh, yeah, then your listeners were, will get a lot of, uh, a lot of value from that. So, um, yeah, I didn't know Danny told you about me. That was, that was nice of him. Yeah, Danny told me about two guys, yourself and uh, the the money. Sorry, yourself and Sam Miller life. Yeah. Uh, so Sam and I recorded a podcast just yesterday, and then uh, getting you on now. And so I guess I'm trying to round up the whole Colombian gringo crew or something. So let's get into your background. Give everyone a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit about who you are. And uh, I, I know you're from Houston and. You live in a couple of cities in Latin America, but would love to hear more. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I grew up in a kind of a suburb, uh, kind of a country esque uh, suburb of Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, um, but yeah, we, I, I did the you know kind of the American dream. I went to Texas A&M University, uh, graduated, and worked uh, for five years for a large money management firm which we sold investments to like Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, UBS, things like that. Um, and that was always my dream to work in like something like stockbroker-esque because I was a kid in the 90s and I wanted to be a stockbroker when I was a kid. And then, um, yeah, and then after that, I, I visited Medellin. was my first kind of solo trip when I was about 25. And then, yeah, that just totally messed up uh, my life. <laughs> my life or my, what I thought was going to be this American dream, you know, married and with, with the house and kids, you know, by whatever, 25 or 30. Um, I visited Medellin and I took kind of a, I did a early, what I call an early retirement. I took a year off when I was like 26 and, and lived in Medellin and then went back to the corporate world four years, did tech sales because I got a taste of kind of like remote work. Um, right. I didn't want to go back to the suit and tie, even though I love the, the investment stuff. But yeah, and then I did four years corporate world and then I, I bounced. I did my, I guess my second retirement. Uh, and during the pandemic, I moved to Tulum. It was the only place open. And then once Columbia kind of calmed down, I made my way back here. Um, so, so yeah, so that's kind of where the, the name, the travel money guy came from was I have that investment background. That's what's helped me live for two years without having a corporate job uh, and work on my YouTube channel and also kind of videography, video editing, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, but yeah, I'm in Medellin and, um, that's where I'm, I'm at now. That's awesome, man. And I saw that, uh, I think the first, you started your channel in November, 2020. So it's been just barely maybe 15 months, a year and a bit. Uh, you've gotten over a thousand subs, which is awesome to accomplish in your first year and done it on relatively few videos as well. Um, how's your YouTube journey been? Yeah, thanks. Thanks. And Vance, let me say thank you for asking because, you know, no one ever asked that question. People just like, oh, you have a YouTube channel? Like, how many subscribers you got? Oh, okay. Like, you know, no one, 
no one really understands, you know, the the struggle, the the you know, I never knew anything about video editing. I've never been really a consider myself a tech guy, but so yeah, thanks mm -hmm. for asking. Um yeah, my first video was with my phone, my smartphone in uh in a in a park in Mexico City, you know, and I think um I did I was Mexico City open right now because you know it was like 2020 pandemic, no one knew left from right. And you know, if you can go to Mexico and if you could eat at a restaurant, whatever. So that was my first first video. And um, yeah, it's been uh, a mental struggle for sure because you're starting over from scratch. You feel like you're worthless. Uh, you don't know how to edit a video. You have you don't know how important audio is. Um, so yeah, right now, guys, I'm talking to you on this mic because nice. yeah, if you're sitting down and doing any sort of production, you, you need a, a real mic. Um, and anyway, so it's been challenging for sure. And, and let me just say something. I'm not the guy, like I've never been the type that's like, Oh, hustle culture. Like I'm going to crush this YouTube. Like, so I've taken my sweet time with the YouTube channel. I haven't, I started off uploading like, uh, once a week. Uh, but yeah, I've never really kept myself to, um, I have to upload once a week or twice a week or once a month. Um, I've kind of just, I've tried to stay consistent, but I didn't want to just make a video to make a video. So yeah, I think if I honestly, if I worked harder, I could have gone faster, but it's been a challenge, you know, and then throwing the pandemic and then what countries are open and, you know, and then like I, I was sure. in Brazil for a while in 2021 and, um, you know, things were, you know, there were lockdowns. It's like, well, how am I supposed to make content with lockdowns? So, um, yeah, I, I could talk a lot more about it, but we can get more specific. But last thing I'll say is I wanted to talk, I originally wanted to talk about like investments, mutual funds, ETFs, and then also like. You know, my favorite restaurants in Medellin, but mm -hmm. as I've learned, you just can't really, I mean, if I was like super famous, maybe I could, but you just can't really do both. Like people are like, wait, what? Like you're talking about an ETF and then now you're talking about coffee shops in Medellin. Like, you know, anyway, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So anyway, I, I've kind of made this, this channel more about travel now. Um, yeah, it definitely makes sense. Uh, I've experienced the same thing on my personal channel, uh, apart from the My Latin Life channel where on my personal channel it was all uh python videos and programming tutorials uh and then i started posting some travel videos and it just makes no sense um but i was like oh i'm doing cool stuff i might as well post that too so uh i know what you mean it's hard to be consistent i mean i guess my question for you would be you know you hit a thousand subs hopefully you got your four thousand hours watch time and got got the monetization i'm not going. there yet not there yet not there okay i'm at 3100 um, 3,100. And dude, you, you got, oh, so you've, at the time of this recording, you have 1,140 subs roughly, um, on 52,000 views across the channel, which just seems like a really high subscriber to view ratio. How did that happen? Do you think it's just because people really responded, uh, to your content and your focus on, on Medellin and Colombia or, uh, do, like what, what would well, you attribute that high subscriber count to? Well, I'm curious. Uh, so from my perspective, I feel almost like ashamed. I feel like, and, and again, I'm not a, I haven't like dug, you know, dug through, is that a word? Dug, I haven't dug through other YouTube channels looking at like views mm -hmm. to subscribers. But so mm -hmm. so you you consider that to be a pretty high I'd say rate. it's a pretty good ratio, bro, because that means that uh, if it was all like organic, that would mean, I mean, do the math that one in 50 people are subscribing, which is like yeah. really good. That's really good. Yeah, um, actually, that's a good way. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, that's actually really cool. Thank you. Um, I, um, 
I don't know. Actually, I, I, I always kind of looked at it as a negative. I thought it was like, wow, that's a lot of views for not very many subscribers. But um, I, um, man, I, I'll be honest. My first video that hit like a thousand views was, and looking back, like I didn't do this on purpose, but I was walking around Coyacan in Mexico City um, mm -hmm. without, uh, it was a Sunday afternoon in Coyacan and it was kind of like peak pandemic. But anyway, I wasn't wearing... <laughs> I wasn't wearing a mask and I don't want to get into like COVID talks uh, on the podcast, but um, yeah, I wasn't wearing a mask, but to me, I, I, I just took it at that time. It was uh, I'm like, I'm outside, you know, and, and I didn't take it so serious to wear a mask outside. Um, anyway, a lot of uh, this was like Mexico city was on lockdown. So everyone was just on Facebook, you know, being keyboard warriors. So it kind of like blew up in this Facebook group and everyone was arguing about whether I should be wearing masks, like, you know, oh, the stupid foreigner coming here to Mexico, Mexico City and infecting the, you know, the poor Mexican people. Um, so that was like the first video that kind of got So you had like a media got, event. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I got a lot of subscribers off that. I went from like 200 to like, you know, 450 or something, you know. Um, and okay. uh, that's where you kind of, you learn, you know, like, oh, like they say, like, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Um, and again, and, and looking back, like, I probably... You know, I don't know. Things were early in the pandemic. I probably want to do that again, but I didn't do it as like, hey, I don't have to wear a mask. Like it just people got I, I was like shocked. I thought it was a funny video. We we learned what a a mandilon is in Mexico, which is like it is a boyfriend that gets ordered around. It's like saying like you're the apron, like the girl bosses you around. And so we were sure. trying to give away an apron in the streets of Coyacan with these two Mexican girls. And you know, I thought I thought like I posted, I was like, Oh, it's gonna be funny, you know, and like it blew up into this this big ordeal, like peak pandemic. Um, yeah. I, I think if you, uh, there's like the Medellin for expats Facebook group is like the most hilarious Facebook group in the world. It's like half the posts are about like something sort of social justice oriented or, or whatever, like politically correct oriented. And then like part of it is just like toxic, like, or just like older dudes with like hilarious comments that I don't even know. It's hard to explain, but it's like, and it can get, it can be a bloodbath. Like you just post something and everyone's like hating. It's hilarious. It's not helpful at all. Like other expat groups, it's, uh, it's, it's jokes as hell. And it, you can, and long story short, it can help you like blow up videos fast. Cause if you can, uh, elicit some outrage or, or ideally just some interest, uh, you can get like a lot of views and, and get, get things rolling that way. Yeah. Um, yes and no. So I actually, I stopped posting in Facebook groups. Um, not, not after that, but yeah, because there are, there's so much, what's the word to toxicity? Like there's no, it's so toxic, especially like the Facebook groups are, are like a toxic war zone, man. So I actually stopped because I'm like, <laughs> this isn't a track, no matter what it is. Like yeah. I want someone to find my channel because they search like, you know, where to stay in Medellin. I don't want to just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's Facebook group. No one's really looking for your content. Like they just scrolling and they see it. So yeah, I stopped. I stopped with the Facebook groups because yeah, it attracted, it can attract yeah, so much negative. I don't want to go like uh, that kind of direction with the, the conversation, but I get, there is a, a tip in here, a nugget for, for people listening, which is that uh, Facebook groups are actually pretty gold for, for growing uh, a travel channel, a YouTube channel, any, anything kind of in this space. Uh, it can be really, really good. Um, I wanted to, to go back to your journey cause we, you know, you, you definitely did like a, a short version of it. So you grew up in, in Houston where presumably you were 
relatively exposed to Latin culture early on. I'm sure you had lots of friends growing up playing basketball or whatever that were like of Mexican background or, or Latino background. I didn't really have that that much. I grew up in Toronto, Canada, so a little bit of a different uh, diversity mix. But so you must have been sort of like, I'm guessing sort of like exposed to it early. Maybe it felt a little bit distant at the same time or, or, or what was it like growing up in Houston? And it's kind yeah, of no, funny now, you know, being in a yeah, like no, it's a good point. Latin well, guy. to me, my Latin Latino exposure was you know going to Mexican restaurants, which was like a bunch of white people eating quesadillas, you know, chicken quesadillas, uh, and the whole staff, of course, was like Mexican. But um, but for me, growing up playing basketball in Houston, I was really kind of more around the black culture, the hip hip hop, and things like that. So I kind of identified more with that because that that was like my life. Um, I mean, even though my family and like where I lived was probably kind of country white uh, town, but mm -hmm. yeah. And like my free time, I was playing basketball with, um, with yeah, more of like the black culture. And so I, I, I was always like that. I, I think that's where I got kind of like, I don't know the, the flow as they say in, in Spanish in Colombia. And then, um, and then I moved to basically I moved to San Antonio after college. And then, yeah, it was like, you know, Latinos everywhere and Spanish everywhere. And I'm like, you know what? I want. I mean, I've been, I've been around Spanish speakers my whole life. I want to learn Spanish, so I took like a little bit. I took a private class actually when I was like 24, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. And then and reggaeton. I always loved reggaeton, and I always joke that um, I always joke that uh, the um, oh, like when when you grow up in the U.S., you think there's like you think there's like two reggaeton songs, right? Like Gasolina and. <laughs> uh, and Danza Coduro, Danza Coduro, and Gasolina, pretty much. What, what is that? What's that second one? Which one? The, oh, da, you, you've heard it, man. It's the. Uh, I'm gonna. I don't want to butcher it, but it's like I'm gonna. I don't want to sing it, but Danza Coduro. That's the name of the song. Danza Coduro. Okay, okay. And then like yeah. some Shakira, I guess. But anyway, um, Don Omar, gotcha. Okay, okay, okay. I'm and you've on. heard it, like when you hear it, you'll be like, Oh yeah, for sure, I'm, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so were, were you like taking trips down to Mexico to go drinking when you were 19 and stuff like that? Um, no, no, no. I never was that. No, um, I was not that type of person. No, I, I was uh, I, I was on the straight and narrow, man. I wasn't even drinking in college. Um, I was uh, yeah, I was I was staying on myself. And um, yeah, but then I visited. I was kind of just around in San Antonio, a lot more Latinos. Um, which San Antonio is like a Tex-Mex culture. There's not like, I want, I want to call them true Latinos. Sorry, San Antonio people, but, but you got, you got closer to the border. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, it's like started like liking reggaeton and stuff. And then, um, I had a, here's what, here's where it all changed is I had a coworker. He was, his parents were, his, his dad was Pakistani and his mom was from Cali, Colombia. And he told me, Hey man, go check out Colombia. And long story, I did my research and I ended up in Medellin. And then I heard like Nicky Jam songs like Travasudas, Travasudas and like El Perdón. And, you know, I'm like, whoa, there's like, these are the coolest songs ever. Like, I've never heard this before. I didn't know there was more than Gasolina. So, yeah, that, and then I was like, man, life's over. Or I mean, in a good way, like, or, you know, my, my, my life goals kind of did a 180. I was like, whoa, I, lo I love this place. And I, I remember sitting, going back and sitting in my cubicle basically and, like just imagining, like I would get excited, like butterflies thinking about, um, you know, being in Medellin 
And okay, yeah, then okay. I knew I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta move there. So you're in San Antonio, you're in the the office, I guess it's like an asset management firm. You're, you know, you're making your money, you're driving to work, driving everywhere. Cause it's Texas. Um, you know, I guess you got a Latino buddy that's showing you a bit of reggaeton. And then what, what really like pushed you over to the edge to say like, you know what, I'm going to book this first flight. Did you, was there like some, something specific that, uh, really like pushed you over the edge and, and made that epiphany to take action? Um, I think when I just saw like the combination of the great weather, um, and then I saw like mountain views and then the reggaeton. And then like you hear, you know, I was like 25 and you hear like, Oh, the women are so pretty managing the most beautiful girls in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so like just kind of a combination of all that. And then you hear, Oh, it's really cheap too. Like your dollar goes a long way. And I was like, man, I, I was like, just so curious. Like, what is it? What is a bar? What is a nightclub like in Medellin? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what kind of led me to do it. And I was and and, um, and one other thing I I'd gone on kind of my first real solo trip, like not flying with my family to visit uh, Paris. My, my high school buddy was working in Paris. So I got a taste of like, Whoa, like I don't have to ask anyone to go. If I want to go to this museum, I don't have to ask anyone or like, you know, do you want to go to this museum? Is that cool? Oh, we have to go to that. We have to go to whatever the waterfall. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So yeah. Anyway, it was like a combination of that first solo trip plus that coworker and then game over. Definitely. And, um, so this, I guess was in like 2016, this first trip somewhere around that range. Did you yeah. know about my Latin life back then? Or did you know about any of these, uh, a couple of the online websites with, did you know about like Rush V forum? I don't know. Like what, did, what were you like consuming back then for our work week? Yeah, I would say the, the first one, I, I think I came across a few, my Latin life articles, to be honest. Um, but the the big one was I think it was called Medellin Living was the was the big blog yeah Medellin Living uh, which then got which has sent, since got bought out by another guy here in Medellin but anyway um, Medellin Living I, I read a lot I even bought the ebook for whatever nine bucks it helped me a lot it helped me a lot um, and it's kind of cool now like it comes full circle because now I'm I'm kind of working on a a premium kind of video guide and PDF and things like that to help people in Medellin. We talk about that later, but, um, the, um, yeah, I read a lot of managing living and then just in general, not really relevant to Columbia, but like, I read a lot of nomadic Matt. I think everybody, I don't know. Did you read nomadic Matt too back in the day? He's the early guy that would like dance in front of this, like different stuff. No, no. he was just, he was kind of like, in my opinion, he was like the first real travel blogger, the first famous or the first one I ever found really. So. I was yeah. Um, rings a bell. I never. Oh yeah, this guy. I never got into. Uh, I know the site now that I'm looking at it. I know the site better than I know, like the guy by like his persona. I guess. Um, that's funny. Yeah, and, and then you know you probably read every post on the on the site, and you know you're gleaning tips and you're trying to learn more about the culture, and then how did things sort of like stack up on the ground versus uh, your expectations and what you'd read and what you knew going into it? No, it, it was exceeded expectations. I mean, I stayed in Tiger Hostel in Poblado um, by myself. Um, yeah, the first, like I walked in the hostel and it was like very s- small, like maybe 10, 15 people, but two, you know, beautiful Colombian uh, salsa teachers, you know, 
like all dressed up and, and there to teach the gringos how to dance. Like they, they were doing like a little salsa show and it really was, it, it was like a movie. I'm like, what? Like, this is real. Like you walk in and like just the energy and then like, you, and then I dance, you know, I like basically check in, I put my luggage in my room, came out and then I'm dancing like within an hour, you know, getting in my house, I'm <laughs> dancing with these Colombian girls and I've never, you know, been a dancer, or tried to dance before. So, um, yeah. And that, I mean, that was the first night. And then, the next day I, I was walking around the street and like uh, probably not a good idea now, but a random guy started talking to me and we bro- we spoke, you know, crappy English, crappy Spanish, but he like showed me around the whole city. Didn't want anything from me. Probably, maybe he did now looking back, but anyway, I, I, w- I was naive, I guess, but maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was just a good person. I don't know. Or maybe it was a good person that still wanted the tip. <laughs> I don't know. But um uh, yeah, and it just it was it was a blast, man. The nightlife, the energy, and being you know a 25, 26 year old guy was a, a perfect time to come here. Um, you know, yeah, with and, sure. and and yeah, it, it's just so different than what you've experienced uh, up until that point. It's I mean, like Texas to Medellin, they're somewhat close on the map. They're somewhat kind of like in the Caribbean-ish area, but. Uh, or Gulf of Mexico or whatever, but like it's um it's a whole whole different thing. Um, probably your first time, kind of like in the mountains and this like coffee and jungly uh, like waterfall type place. And it, yeah. Um, so my my big question would be, why did it take you four years to like make your way back on a more permanent basis? Was it only really just with COVID, or did you move a bit before COVID, or or well, like? Yeah. Yeah. No, basically what I did was um, I had, just, I had basically had call it 20,000 saved, 20,000 US dollars saved up for a house. You know, here I am 25, 26, 20,000 saved up. And I look at that money. I, I remember it was like sitting at work in the cubicle, or whatever and I'm looking and I'm like, that money will last me a while in Colombia, you know, or I could buy a house. And I remember I, I, the specific example I used, I was like, okay, I could either say I moved to Colombia or, or, whatever, move to Columbia, have this, this adventure, or I could be like, Hey, I bought a house. You want to come check out my new tile? Like, I remember I said that, like, do I want to talk about my tile in my house or whatever, my new window, my new curtains, or do I want to like go have the adventure of a lifetime? Mm-hmm. So I basically in a, in a call it a year, like I, I basically dropped, like I, I lived in Colombia. I learned Spanish. I took dance lessons. I traveled around Colombia. I traveled around Central America, but managing was my hub. And yeah, just call it like in a year, I, I blew whatever, $15,000. And when I had about $4,000, $5,000 left, I, I limped back to the US. And it's kind of funny. I didn't believe in myself to be a digital. I mean, this is like 2016. I didn't have a, I didn't believe in myself to like be a digital nomad or like work online. Cause like, I was like, I mean, I have to learn WordPress coding. Um, I guess there was YouTube channels, but I guess I just didn't, it never crossed my mind that I could, I didn't believe in myself. I was like, I, I'm not cool enough or funny enough whatever to be a blogger or a youtube travel youtuber so i okay and and i guess what i didn't understand is on this first trip in 2016 it wasn't just like a little like one month or something you went like a year or i i I had like two vacations to medellin before i pulled the trigger yeah and then when did you go to brazil was that was that kind of 2020 21 or was that earlier yeah, I well, I visited Brazil like you know years ago, but yeah, I lived in Brazil in a lot of 2021. 
So, okay, okay. We'll come back to that. But I, I just wanted to make sure we had the timeline down. So you did, uh, I guess, a couple different jaunts in 2016. Um, you saw a couple different places or just Colombia? Yeah, my, um, I, lived in Medi- I lived in Medellin. I lived in Santa Marta. I lived in Cali. Um, and then I did do a, a kind of a quick trip through Central America. I bust through like Costa Rica. I said that real green, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Guatemala, uh, El Salvador. I kind of did all those countries, but um, yeah, I did, I did, compared to Colombia, I didn't like them that much. So, um, okay. I, no, that's dope though. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, uh, you know, you, you've definitely seen the light at that point of the, the awesomeness that is Latin America. You know, you, you, you had spent time in several different countries or sorry, several different cities, sorry, in Colombia different countries through Central America, get a little bit of a difference, see what cities you like better, how things operate differently in different places, uh, similarities and differences. So you went back to Texas and went back to, to working in tech. Um, and then when did sort of the idea of like working online and working remote start to become a viable option in your head where you believe that you could make money online? Um. Well, it that didn't me thinking of like being a YouTuber, making YouTube videos. That that didn't hit me until like uh, call it even um, yeah, early late twenty. Uh, yeah, late it was late twenty twenty was when I uploaded my first YouTube video. So, mm-hmm. but and are you are you working remote at this point with the the tech sales? No, so what or, I did. Or what's the income source? The um. So yeah, let's go. Let's go back to when I went. Back, let's go back to call it 2016 when I when I finished my first kind of year in Medellin, mm-hmm. and then I, I yeah I'm down to like five thousand bucks basically yep. in my bank account. Yep. And then I I'm like okay I, I need I need some dollars again, and I I don't believe in myself to work online. I can't be a blogger, so I go back and get a corporate job uh, actually in Dallas of all places. I moved from Medellin to Dallas, and. Uh, I've never liked Dallas. Still don't really like Dallas that much. And so it's funny. I, le- I left my favorite city to live in like one of my least favorite cities. Um, and yeah, I did I did three years in, in tech basically. And I stayed there three years because at three years I got a 401k match. Like, you know, um, that I, I, just gave, I just told myself, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here three years. Um, and then it just, I thought I was going to leave after three years. And then it just so happened I got a better tech job with, you know, more money than I'd ever made before, um, right there on year three. And so I was like, all right, I'll take this and, you know, just kind of milk it, see what happens. And, um, I'm actually writing, I have a video written for this. I haven't filmed it yet, but mm-hmm. it, uh, I mean, my money, money was hitting my account a lot, but it wasn't a very good experience just as a being, um, being, I wasn't good at that job. It was a, it, the company wasn't that good. It was just a bad situation all around. So I end up leaving that, and that's when, like, I, I left that like a month before COVID hit, and I moved to Tulum. It was the only place open. I wanted to go to Spain, but closed. So I ended up in Tulum, mm-hmm. and that's I met a I met a YouTuber who does like VPN YouTube stuff in Tulum. Uh, I bet you you may have met him before. A guy's named Scott, but anyway, uh, and, and Scott he kind of inspired me basically he told me about what he does and how he does it and i was like all right if i want to keep traveling the world for my whole life or stay out of the u.s or you know whatever i was like i, I gotta figure something out so i was like all right you, youtube it is 
And uh, yeah, and so that's when I started making the is Mexico City Open right now, and just making videos in Mexico. Um, and um, yeah, that's how I got started. Nice. So, and then, so what have you been? So what's like other than YouTube? Uh, do you make money through like working as a freelancer or uh, doing sales stuff or or what else? Yeah. So I, um, I haven't had a corporate job in two years, and most of my income has come from uh, investments, mutual funds, um, and then I have done. I have an Upwork video editing profile. I've done a few projects. Um, I'm doing. A, I just finished a project for a, a personal training buddy in Houston. He was doing some pad thai recipe, um, so I edited that for him. Made some money, and then like I met a girl in Tulum. She she just hit me up. She has like a hundred travel videos. She, she wants me to edit, so I'm working on that. But yeah, most of my income still is in investments. Comes from that, um, and yeah, and then I'm trying to grow this this YouTube thing and uh, sell a. Um, basically a premium guide to Medellin. That's what I'm working on right now. Yeah. Get some digital products going. And okay. And yeah, uh, so I'm like, I, good. it hasn't been pretty. Like my money situation hasn't been pretty the last two years. Like I haven't had to work, but like, it's not, it's not like I'm just, you know, um, I haven't been making money, but I've been, I've been surviving um, until like, cause I, I'm willing to go all in on myself. Cause like, I'm like any, anything I can do to not, return to the US corporate world to be told what to wear, what to say, you know, what to do, where to be. I'm like, I'm willing to, yeah, you know, lose money if it if it means in the long run that I'll work for myself and work online. Definitely. And I think that's one of the best things about Latin America is it gives you an opportunity to be scrappy and to uh, actually have a really good life and a really high standard of living on not that much money. And people would be surprised how much you can scale down in terms of how little you could spend per month and have a nice life. Because it's important to always keep in mind, I mean, most people in Latin America ha have a minimum wage of between three and $400 US per month. And so they might have like, they might be spending like 125, 150 bucks on rent and then kind of like the rest on food, you know? And uh, you, you can live like super cheap in Latin America if you're willing to live a really, really local life. And then obviously you can, you know, as you, you can do that for a while, be scrappy, build your business, uh, maybe three, $400 obviously sounds extreme, but you know, you can, uh, easily get by on like seven, 800 bucks a month in like pretty much anywhere in Latin America, build your business. And, you know, if you want, you can sort of like expand your lifestyle over time. I think it is always good to kind of like live like a student and keep some of those elements of, you know, maybe one night you stay in a luxury hotel, but then another night you stay in a hostel or you crash on your buddy's floor. And, you know, it's um, so I'm kind, I'm kind of there where sometimes I have like a lot of luxury. Sometimes I'm uh, doing it more student style, but that's the digital nomad lifestyle a little bit is, is, you know, you definitely have the flexibility and you can sort of like scale up and scale down the luxury uh, at a moment's notice. Yeah, no, you're right. And when I was in the corporate world, I was making good money and I became a zombie. Like it was, you know, basically, I mean, let's be honest, you, you respond to emails, you make money. You're not really having to like critically think, you're not having to solve problems. You're not having to create a market for yourself. Um, and yeah, and then I was going out on the weekends, partying, basically drinking, going out, 
going out on the weekdays too, but having a good time. But like, I wasn't growing, you know, as a, as a, as an entrepreneur, definitely not. So now my motivation actually just yesterday, the motivation that hit me was like, I remember being in college, you know, I, I, like I was, I was super poor. Uh, well in college, like, I mean, mm-hmm. relative to Latin America, but we, yeah, you, you get what I'm saying? But like in college, like yeah, you know, everyone's, I, everyone's a little bit broken, you know, looking for the dollar beers or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that's been my, like just this week, you know, you're always looking for new ways to motivate yourself. And I remember, I remember some, you know, I would say rich sorority girls invited me to like go to their semi-formal or formal, whatever. And I remember like all, in my view, it was like with the rich, with the rich boys too, we're going and like, they all had like suits and stuff. Like we're in college, you know, like 19, 19 years old. And like, they all had like suits and I'm like, we're in college. Like how, like, I remember thinking like, how do you have a suit in college? Like we're not interviewing yet. We're, we're freshmen in college. And I remember thinking like, I felt like, uh, you know, very, I remember, I don't, I don't know what I did. Like I had to like borrow someone's dress shoes or something. I remember thinking, and so that's like, that was my motivation. This week. I was like, man, like, don't forget, like, don't forget where you came from or that moment. I was like, I don't ever want to get back to that point where I'm having to like borrow dress shoes or, you know, and I was, I was like, um, yeah, so that was my motivation this week. Um, uh, yeah. Cause you always got to find new ways to motivate yourself. <laughs> yeah. I had a similar experience. I, I rushed a frat. And you have to wear like a suit and tie like all the time when you're in a frat or rushing a frat. And I had, I remember like the day you sort of like get accepted or whatever. Uh, I wore the most mismatched suit you'd ever seen, bro. I had an un, like the, the collared shirt was like orange and blue stripes. I had like a silver tie and then like a, like a, gray like pinstripe blazer or something it i look like a clown because I, I was like Dang. like yeah <laughs> wow those colors man yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah you're in college right so it's like it's new to you that you know formal wear like that is new and you don't have the money to be buying a nice suit so yeah it's jokes and so um you came back to Columbia a bunch of years later. How was it? How was it different? It must have been super different. In 2016, it was relatively undiscovered, quite low international arrivals, relatively low amounts of tourists in 2016. But the word was starting to get out. You know, maybe it was on the cover of Condé Nast or you know, big travel magazines. And probably by 2019, it was like full steam. Um, so you know, maybe. Uh, you you came back to a Columbia that was almost prepared for you as prepared as, as you were for it because they were kind of used to gringos at this point and uh, you know the the cafes and poblado were f- full of people speaking English and I mean what was what was the difference like? Yeah, I mean I'm 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 I uh, here in 2022 like I feel like you know I'm that old guy like. Oh, you know, this, this, you know, this, this hostel, this, whatever rooftop pool, hostel, 20 stories wasn't here, you know, back in 2016, like <laughs> it, it, I'm that guy now, you know, and, and actually I, I kind of have a challenge for like people coming to Medellin now is like, Hey, see if you're a foreigner, see if you can see if you can go to the actual club and not see a foreigner, you know, see if you can find a, a only Colombians in that, in that club and, and probably you're not going to find it. Um, but yeah, it's honestly like I'm, I'm, I think I need to like sit down and be like, Kyle, you have to accept it. That Medellin's not what it used to be. It's discovered. I mean, here's, here's, here's my, the big thing I've seen is that like, I'm starting to see like what I would call 
sorry, American girls, but like basic American girls, like Medellin is now a stop for like what I would say basic American girls, like Tulum. And then like, oh, we're going to Medellin next. Like it's no longer just like guys coming here to party and stuff. Like, you know, girls are coming here for the coffee. Like, That's a good point. I mean, like, That's a good point. That it's not yeah, just, I mean, it's not just guys anymore. It's couples. It's groups of girls. It's uh, older, older people, business people. Yeah, I met these like Georgia girls that were here for like, you know, a wedding, I guess. Um, and I, I don't know, it was probably a Colombian American getting married, I think. But still, like the fact that they were here and they're like, they're like basically doing like, you know, brunch activities, like all these things that like, you know, you never saw girl like American girls going to brunch in Medellin, you know. Um, so that's been the big one to me. The fact that there's just like American girls coming now. Um, and it's, it's, it's another stop on the, it's a stop now on the Tulum, uh, what's the Costa Rica place? Everyone goes the, um, Tamarindo, Santa Teresa, Puerto Viejo. Yeah. Yeah. Puerto- any, any, anything in Costa Rica, really, <laughs> but yeah, yeah Medellin, definitely become a spot. Um, I think it's fair to say easily one of the top five, uh, digital nomad hubs and communities in latin america it would be you know playa del carmen where i am medellin where you are um you know the rest of the list is a little bit debatable but those two are like for sure there right yeah yeah and on that note like yeah i mean medellin has a lot i mean i feel like you don't even need a co-working in medellin i feel like there's a lot of cafes that have great wi-fi and Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously you don't want to like take advantage of the coffee shop and you don't want to post up there 10 hours a day and order one coffee. But I, I always try to be uh, mindful of that. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm hanging out and make sure I'm ordering stuff to support the businesses here, but, um, but yeah, I think, Med- I think Medellin is a, yeah, the Wi-Fi here is great, especially compared to, uh, yeah, a lot of other Latin American cities. So, mm-hmm. Um, I, I know you've made a couple of, so you, by the way, for everyone listening, you host uh, a series called Medellin Mondays, where I guess you do sort of a Q and a every Monday. Um, let me break down a couple things I don't like about Medellin and maybe you could let me know what your thoughts are on this. Um, I'd say for me, the big one is it is a very big, dense city and basically the whole, like it's an interesting almost European uh, city construct where the inner core is actually quite rich, or at least a lot of the rich areas are in the core. And then like everywhere up on the hills is like pretty much favela or like hat or like favela luxury favela. <laughs> I don't know. So, and so it's like all these like hilly areas and they can just literally come down on the motorbike anytime and like rob people. And if you go in those Medellin expat groups, like every single day, like so, just some guy on like a motorcycle with a gun is just coming down to Poblado, shit like that. Um, another of the cons is like this, the, it just sort of like, I guess you could call it like, uh, what's the word, but like the rich, poor dynamic. Uh, another thing would be like the scoping and I forgot how to say it, scopolamine. And yeah, yeah. it's just insane. It, it's insane how prevalent it is. If people aren't familiar with it, uh, basically it's sort of like a liquid that people can put in your drinks or even just sort of like spray in your face as like a mist. And you basically become like a zombie and you're basically in a trance and then people can can rob you. And it's insane. And it's like a whole industry in Medellin and, and Colombia at large, uh, which is just insane. And it makes me not want to be there uh, for that. Um 
And then, um, yeah, start with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the let's start with the the scope scopolamine. I, I always say it weird too. Scopolamine. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Yeah. Scope. We actually getting scoped, right? So everyone listening, let me tell you. And I say this on my Energy Mondays. I say this in my videos, and it's real simple. Like the guys that get scoped, and again, it could happen to anybody. I'm not immune. So there's that. But like it's always. I mean, there's drugs and there's prostitutes involved and or meeting up with a Tinder girl. Like Tinder here is like 80% dangerous. Like like girls on Tinder are like hunting to, uh, not all of them, but like 80%, like 75% are yeah. there to like somehow either drug you and get and steal your stuff or, um, well, that's a, that's a big uh, percentage. I'm going to get a lot of flack. That's a very high but- percentage. It's probably lower, <laughs> but it's probably like the highest percentage in all the Americas, the percentage of people who are like, kind of like in like this organized industrialized like rip off gringos sort of uh frame of mind on the platform and you got to be super careful yeah and i had a buddy text me today and i gave him a heads up um one red flag to look for guys listening is like if a girl tells you she has her own driver like you're trying to meet up at somewhere and she's like, oh, I, I have my own driver. You know, he's going to charge you like 30,000 pesos to – that's Colombian mm-hmm. pesos. Yeah, that's a big red flag. Like That's a huge um, red flag. Yeah. Yeah. So, or, even, or even if it's like supposedly a cab and she's like, get in my cab. Uh, yeah. Be like, no, 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 get out. We're going to take a different cab. I, yeah. And you can make an excuse like, oh, I just want to get a water first or something. But you don't even like hop in a cab that the person was in. Exactly. So, um, and it's funny that the same buddy told me like a week ago, like I, I need to Google this, but like kind of a random aside about scope, 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 like, like, I guess like if they put something in your drink, everyone, like something like your, your the ice will fall down to the bottom or maybe it might be more fizzy. Like your, your drink, your, your drink Christ. might be like slightly fizzing more. I don't, I need to Google that one to actually like, I, I but, don't even want to have to like visually determine if it's there. That's insane. Yeah, but I'm telling you, like, the guys, like, there's just a lot of, like, dumb guys that come here and they get a match and yeah. it's maybe the cutest girl they've ever matched with. And they're like, oh, my gosh, let's meet up at all costs. And then, yeah, they get <laughs> scoped. Or I mean, that that's what happens. And so I think you have to do your research up front, you know, on Tinder. Like, I always say video call with the girl first before you meet up with her. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if you have a good head on your shoulders, I don't think you'll be put in those situations. But just a lot of guys – they come down here and they, they don't think they, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into the good parts of Medellin too, but I, I, I definitely, I, I think it's funny because it's, it's a unique situation in Latin America. It's kind of, Colombia is kind of the only country where this is like a thing. And yeah. Especially uh, Medellin. So, yeah. Especially Medellin. So it's just something to look out for. Um, and then, yeah, I remember I, I was, I spent a month in Medellin in 2021 uh, I was there around like March, April. It was a good time. It was a good time. I went up to Santa Marta and stuff as well. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, I, what I, what I liked a lot was how, um, there was actually a lot of day trips and there's a lot of things you can do. Um, you know, just getting slightly out of town. There's a couple, uh, like small Pueblos that are like really super cool with, you know, cobblestone streets 
and you know colonial buildings and stuff like that i'm sure you've had some time to explore some of those um and i i always like looking for waterfalls and like miradores and stuff and cool lookout points and medellin's good for that as well yeah um i mean guatape is did you go to guatape no i couldn't because um (laughs) it's funny (laughs) when i was there excuse me i got there the day before the protest started uh and so (laughs) i didn't know that that was going to be going on when i got there but then when i got there uh you know there was like you know burning blockades on the highway and you couldn't get out of town so i had to limit my my day trip expeditions and do stuff around town but i still got up to parquet rv i think it's called and yeah i I did like i really i I knocked out like a lot of the the stuff but let's talk about that for a second well let's talk about that for a second what did how like what did you like about that like uh, parky rv like did you really like it and if you did why <laughs> um yeah man i did like i'm really good about like i I work a normal monday to friday job um but i really like doing at least something new every day just like a small mini adventure every day and then on weekends i try to uh knock out the sort of bigger like all day trips so i think parky rv i did uh, on a weekend, I thought it was really cool uh, taking the um, the cable yeah. car. So you, so basically, like there's Parque RV is like this park that's on top of the hill. So so like Medellin is like in the bottom like of the valley, and then on the top of the mountain, on the very top of the mountain, is Parque RV, and it's actually like a very different climate because you know it's got to be like a thousand meters or more elevated above uh, the Medellin whatever city level. So it's a bit of a different climate, uh, more pine trees and stuff like that. And I thought it was dope. I mean, you, you, it's very accessible by public transportation. Uh, you can take the Medellin subway to the cable car. You hop right on the cable car. You go up, as I was alluding to before, you're going up and you're going up the hill and it, it, it looks like Rio de Janeiro. You're just like flying over top of these like favelas and it's crazy. And there's just, you, you really get to feel how big Medellin actually is. Like when you're when you're down in the core in Poblado and Laurelis, it doesn't feel you, you, you don't have a, a, a full grasp of how big the city is. But once you get above and you're looking from a mirador or from the cable car, you see, damn, like there's a lot of people in this city. This is a big city. Um and then you get up there and I remember I remember uh I rode um uh I rode a horse and I, I just went up to some guy and I was like, hey, like, I'm just curious, like, how much does it ride, cost to, like, ride the horse? And he he said, like, 10 bucks. And I was like, okay, five bucks. You know what I mean? And I'm like, all yeah. right, let's do it. And then we're off and we, we go and uh, we go ride. We go and he's like, oh, I'll show you this, like, waterfall, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, this is sick. I'm like on the back of a horse for, like, five, literally, like, five bucks. I was something like that, maybe even less. It was so cheap. I was like, this is dope. We're on the back of a horse. We get down to the waterfall, and he's like, he's like, "Oye, uh, eres canadiense?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm Canadian." He's like, he's like, "Eh, pues, te gusta fumar?" And I'm like, "Ah, a veces." <laughs> and he just like whips out uh, a little something to to fumar, and I, I was like, "This is jokes." Like I'm like <laughs> on a on a horse at a waterfall. I spent like, and this dude's like smoking me out, and I this was like very economical like i was like this is hilarious like yeah very medieval experience 
that's the best that's awesome man that's the best party rv experience i've ever heard so that's yeah i can see why you like it that's pretty cool man <laughs> but I mean, let me tell yeah. you good yeah i was gonna say everyone listening or watching yeah i've been to parky rv like four times and i'm i'm always like this like i'm disappointed in the actual like arriving there like yes you're around like green lush trees but like uh in Spanish, like Loque Falta, like what it's lacking is like, there's not like a, you, you, the view is like on the Metro cable, but when you get to the Parque RV, like you want a view or like, well, a waterfall, I guess you found the waterfall. I haven't found the waterfall, but like it has some trails, but it's not like, it's like, I don't know. To me, I haven't found like a good hiking trail on Parque RV with a good view. Like, mm-hmm. anyway, I, I think the best part is the, in my opinion, the best part is the Metro cable ride to Parque RV, but getting there, is a little underwhelming in my opinion, but if someone out there knows something super cool or a good view, let us know. But that's been my experience. Yeah, I thought it was pretty dope. And I mean, that's not the only one you go down to Envigado and even sort of at the, uh, uh, on the other side of Envigado, it goes up into the mountains and there's waterfalls and like some like church on a hill and stuff like that, just behind the city in Envigado. So if you're down in the south of the city, if you're near Sabaneta, if you're near Endegado, there's like dope stuff in the mountains up there too. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah, but everyone that's listening, that's that's diff- that's far from Parky RV. That's that's it is, it is. It's, it's the other yeah. side of the city. But I mean, yeah. the, the city's in a valley, and then you know, basically, you're surrounded by these like mini mountains. And I think pretty much, and what's cool is obviously there's Uber in Medellin, and so you can just take a five dollar Uber, get up to the top of the mountain on on one of the sides, and there's gonna be some cool shit. Yeah, uh, maybe you know. So I, I, I definitely like that. Um, I like drinking the coffee. Uh, I, I'm curious if you've spent some time actually in the coffee triangle down in uh, Manizales and Pereira, Armenia, and how you kind of stack up life there. Or you know, I, I, I receive actually a lot of questions saying, "A, what's the best city in the coffee triangle of of the three or four that there are?" And I receive a lot of questions like, should I go to a big city or should I go chill in the coffee triangle? So what would your, your thoughts be on that? Yeah, I'll tell you straight up. Um, I haven't spent much time there. I've only, I've only spent one night in Pareda. Um, I had a, a friend from like 2015 that is working there now. And I mm-hmm. told her like I would go visit her and it, it, it worked out. Um, it worked out where it was just like a basically like a random Friday night. And I took a bus down there and then came back on Saturday. So I have not... Um, I can't really speak much to, I just know Pareda is like the capital of that area and that's where I went. And, um, you know, we went out and so I saw some nightlife, um, there and everyone always says Pareda is like a little Medellin. Uh, you're going to, you know, you're not going to have as good a flight. You're not going to have as, as many conveniences as Medellin. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you want to, but yeah, I, I, last thing I'll say is like, I think for pe- for people that want to chill get away from like the big city of Medellin, but still kind of have like a little a little a little big town then mm-hmm. Pareda, you know it's, it's probably for you so so what what keeps you in Medellin? uh do you feel the are you the type of guy that you really sort of like need a base and you just feel more productive spending like multi months in one spot um do you or like do you feel like really really committed to Colombia at this point or are you sort of like itching to explore latin more of latin america or even uh, or like what's sort of your your travel plans for 2022 
Yeah, right now I am really focused on like exploring every nook and cranny of Medellin. Um, I frankly, I'm tired of like changing Airbnbs, changing Wi-Fi situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even just like the check-in check-out process of Airbnb. Like I'm, I'm tired of that. Um, yeah. And so yeah, right now I am Medellin is my hub, and I really do. I have the vision of just like I already I. I already know a lot about managing, but I'm still like, I want to know like every rooftop bar, every pool bar, every great coffee shop, where's the good Wi-Fi, And then I'm putting all that into um, a Medellin kind of premium guide. That'll be a Facebook group with me in it. If you, if you buy it, so you can actually talk to me directly and the group, yep. um, a PDF, if you want to read it. And then also a video guide so you can actually see it. Um, so that's what I'm working on right now. Kind of my, I feel like, before I die, I have to like share everything I know about Medellin with, I don't want to say the world, but people that want to know, cause it's going to be premium. Um, yeah, I'm not really, and, and, and actually now with, I have so much like camera equipment now, like anyway, I, I don't <laughs> like traveling with all that, um, you know, video editing laptop, you know, and lights and you know, this, this microphone and then, you know, my Sony camera and it, the list goes on and on. It's like, it never stops. So I'm not really into like, bouncing around all the time. Um, I have a good basketball group here, which I get a lot of, I have good friends from that and and good, you know, physical benefits, obviously. So um, yeah, I have a good like normal life in managing. So I'm not too keen on like hopping on a bus with a backpack right now. Definitely. I I definitely back it. Um, You know, Danny, uh, Danny Rusty and Danny Boo Boo just bought an apartment in Medellin, uh, got his residency, currently waiting on his cedula. Um, are you still doing the tourist visa thing? Have you been looking at sort of regularizing, getting, uh, like a residency visa? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm on the tourist visa right now. And then in the next month, I'll probably look into or or do the process of like a student visa, get another year maybe. Um, yeah, cause right now I'd have to leave in June. Um, and, uh, if I don't, if I don't do some more paperwork or a different visa. So yeah, I, I. I'm looking at that right now. Okay, it definitely makes sense. And what have you learned about the student visa and, and how that one works? You would sign up for like a Colombian school for like what Spanish classes or something? Yeah, it's uh I've heard so like yeah I've I've heard there's one language school that is pro- kind of more lax on like making you go to class or whether it's, or maybe if you do, it's like online um, and actually kind of a random twist of events. If I, I haven't looked at what languages they offer, but um, I speak uh, Portuguese, Spanish, English, and uh, my French is like, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of fluent in French. And so anyway, I might try like a different language. Like I actually uh, in Mexico, I, I started Russian like a, a year ago, I started learning Russian. So anyway, I might try to just pick like a random language and hopefully through the, the language school, I, I could, I could do that. So maybe I can actually get something out of it, but, um, but yeah, it's for a year. And I think I might just pay like the, I know someone that did it. I might just pay his lawyer to do it for me. Um, so yeah, there's that, no, dude, that's a good point. Cause I mean, I'm thinking about this now thinking out loud a bit and you know, a lot of the nomad capitalist type websites, they really focus on investor visas and buying real estate and stuff like that. But you got to buy real estate cash. It's a pretty long process. It's like a huge amount of money for most people. 
Uh, and then there's like pensioner visas, the pensionado and rentista visas. Yeah. But not everyone has those income streams and or maybe does it just doesn't fit for a lot of people's situations. But the student visa can pretty much work for anyone because as long as like the country has it, depending on the rules, like hopefully you can just sign up for a class, you know, due to COVID, hopefully it's mostly online anyway. Maybe you just show up like once to, you know, get some papers or something and, you know, you just throw down like 1500 bucks and, and boom, and you know, you're good. And sure, maybe it's not as permanent as an investor visa or something like that, but it'll, it'll give you time in the country. And then, you know, when you have more time on the country, you can continue to build contacts, see how things work and sort of like find another way to like keep things going. Uh, but yeah, at least so, so yeah, I mean, I think student visas makes a lot of sense. And I think it's something that actually in my Latin life, um, I'm going to have to focus on a little bit and getting, getting that information, uh, dug up and, and, uh, dispersed and shared to people about how to do the student visas. Yeah. And here's a real life situation for you. And someone's probably going to check me on this cause I haven't like done my research. So I probably shouldn't say it before I did my research, but like, let's just say I'm living in Medellin on a student visa. Like I, I like the idea of keeping all my money in the U S like, I don't ever, I don't want to have to pay taxes in Colombia with like, like you said, the investment visa, the business visas. So yeah. like, and then, you know, the foreign income tax exclusion. Right. Um, so yeah, it's like, if, if I can somehow generate, say, uh, for those that don't know, it's basically like if you live outside the U S for most of the year, you don't have to pay taxes on like $110,000 of income. So it's like, I mean, that's a great spot. I don't know. Maybe, you know, but I mean, Hey, if I'm making 110,000 from digital products and I'm on a student visa in Medellin, it's like, you're not even paying income tax. I, there's probably, that sounds too good to be true, but, um, yeah, the only sort of like, so I, I, I've been dealing with the FEIE, the foreigner and income exclusion for, uh, a number of years now, uh, originally because I'm a Canadian American dual citizen and I was living in Canada and I was paying taxes in Canada, but just I had to fill out that stuff and, and file a U.S. return. Uh, I then later switched my uh, residency to the U.S. and uh, was working for an American company. And then, you know, I got into uh, so I, I was familiar with the FEIE sort of in a more like traditional way, not in like a tax savings type of way. Um, and then now like, it's something that I don't want to divulge too much on this podcast, but yeah, it's something that I've been working with for a couple of years now with my Latin situation. And the one thing that's a little bit tricky is they kind of say that you need a tax home outside of the United States. Um, got it. There's the catch. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, that's, that's the catch. So there needs to be like somewhere else where there's like activity going on a little bit. Um, I'm not but I also know that like some people just say like, and it's really, it's a really undiscovered part of it or, or not even talked about part of it. Cause a lot of people just say, Oh, spend less than 30 days a year in the States and you're good. Right. Spend three, you know, 11 months a year abroad. You're good. Boom. First 110 free. Um, I think there's like this tax home thing that makes a little bit more nuanced and most people don't get into that. So it's a little bit of, so th that's like the main thing that I would like bring up with like your tax advisor. And I think it's something that, uh, at, at my Latin life, we're going to, 
start working on more. And, you know, as you know, like we're just really sort of getting started again in, in 2022 here. Um, I'm going to start making relationships with some of these international tax guys because you don't want a normal U.S., you know, born and bred Houston guy doing your taxes when you have, when you, you know, the, the whole crux of your tax return is really going to be like, are you uh, acceptable to the FEIE? Because that's going to make a huge difference because that's probably going to be like 15 to 20 grand per year that you're saving. So you really want a guy that really knows that particular like policy like super well and can guide you on what to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. So and hopefully yeah. that's helpful for people. Yeah. It's nice to see like there are like digital nomad CPAs nowadays, which is kind of cool to see. So yeah, you're going to um, want something more like that. Those guys yeah, just yeah. Aren't charging a lot of money. But <laughs> I mean, if anyone, if anyone uh, knows a really good one, get in touch with my Latin life through any of our platforms and, uh, you know, see what, I'll see what I can do. Cause I, I think this is really, really, this is like some of the most crucial information for digital nomads is sort of taxes and every, everyone wants to think they can pay zero now that they're a digital nomad. Um, the reality is, is, is uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, experienced help, you know, <laughs> this might be the situation to get some. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, tough, to, tough to to. Uh, I, I think taxes. you should definitely make some some videos about it on your channel. Um, I wanted to come back to sort of like your vision of the channel in the future, and uh, but I wanted to quickly ask you about language learning because uh, I guess you're a bit of a language learning enthusiast. Uh, you you cover basically the four I cover: uh, English, French, Spanish, Portuguese. Um, how big of uh, your Latin life, your, your, your time in Latin America is about learning the language. Is it really important you to you to reach like full, full fluency? Um, and like, is that a big part of the intellectual like motivation to, to live abroad? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm at the point where I don't want to go to a country where I don't speak the language because I feel like, you know, um, if I go to that country, I feel like I'll only consume like 10%. And I think I'm missing out like on 90% of what the country can offer if you can't speak the language. And I mean, mm -hmm. that's probably, you know, not accurate, but like, I'd love to go to Turkey. You know, I can't speak Turkish, but they speak Turkish. I don't even know. Anyway, but uh, the, yeah, like, I think the it's bigger really question is like, do you want to learn the language there? And that's why like somewhere like Turkey doesn't interest me because I don't really want to learn Turkish or, or Greek. I like the sort of bigger languages that cover a lot of ground. So kind of like the, the United Nations languages that are spoken yeah. in, you know, dozens of countries. Uh, so uh, it, yeah, Turkish is spoken in a couple of places, but <laughs> bad example, but, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, that's why I, I do really like, um, I like focusing my, my time in places where I want to learn the language. So that's why you're never really going to see me spending big time in Latvia or, or something like that. Cause I yeah. just, you know what I mean? Like I'm, you, you, it, it's a completely different dynamic for you as the traveler because um, it's like, are you in a place where you're practicing your languages or are you in a place where you're basically just giving English lessons? Yeah. Um, well, and for me, my motivation was being from Texas, like, and once you travel to like South America, you start seeing like America, you know, as Canada down to Argentina, 
um, the whole, you see it as like one continent. Like we, we were taught in Houston that, you know, there's North America and South America. Um, what do they teach in Toronto? By the, or I don't know. Where yeah. In, in Canada, they also teach that it's two continents, that there are seven in total, North America, South America. Uh, I, I think this might be a surprise to some listeners that in Latin America, they just consider the Americas one continent and they think there's only six continents and they're just, they just call it like El Continente. <laughs> and yeah, and, and, and it makes sense because you could walk from Canada to Argentina if you had time. You could literally walk the whole thing. New video idea. You know? <laughs> I um, mean, it would take you a while. You would need, you would need some time, but it's one like contiguous landmass. And so um, I get where they're coming from, but it, it, it sort of leads to a different mindset where the two continent mindset sort of creates a bit of like a us versus them dynamic, where as if you think of it as one contiguous continent, it's more like, oh, we're all in this together. It's not English versus Spanish. It's, it's, uh, you know, just one big happy family. Yeah. And, and so once I kind of, that mo- that changed my mind a little bit. Once I lived in Latin America, I started seeing it as like all America, especially relative to the rest of the world, right? Like, you know, Argentina and the USA have a lot more in common than like, you know, the USA and, you know, China or a lot of other countries. So I told myself, I was like, I want to go anywhere on my continent and speak the language. And yeah, I don't know a lot of indigenous languages, but like, you know, I can go to Canada and speak French or Haiti or, and then, yeah, obviously Spanish, Colombia, Mexico, yeah. Portuguese, and Brazil. So that was like a, you know, like, like I talked about earlier, finding motivation. I was like, okay, that kind of motivates me to learn those languages. Yeah. Um, all the languages that make you good in the hood anywhere in the Americas. Yeah. Which sounds pretty badass to say, honestly, like, yeah, I um, think of it that way too. Yeah. So I wanted to start there. Then I'm like, okay, then if I want to learn, you know, Russian or, you know, places further away from home, then I can, I can do that if I want to. So, um, yeah, I think it's really, but yeah, bottom line, I think it's really important in the language. Um, if you're going somewhere, I mean, the songs, the music, ordering at a restaurant, knowing the food and yeah, it's, it's a night and day difference for your experience if you know the language. And what would be your number one tip for learning languages? Um, good question. I would say find a teacher that you're physically, well, sorry, this is more than one, but regularly meet with a teacher that you, as my grandpa would say, that it's easy on the eyes for you so that you're like physically attracted to, but not like in a, not in a bad way, but just someone that's easy to look at for you because you need all the help you can get. And so I think if you have like an attractive girl, you're going to, you're going to pay attention more than if it's just you're meeting with like Juan from Mexico to teach mm-hmm. your Spanish. <laughs> and so were you getting like formal lessons or uh, were you just sort of learning within like friend groups? Um, no, I, I did. I, I have a process. Uh, I made one video on this, but I have a process that is four days a week, Monday to Thursday, two hours a day with a private teacher and you can be fluent in two months. So I've done that. I've done that with Spanish, Portuguese, and French. So um, I learned French in Tulum. Actually, I, I found a French teacher in Tulum, and I met with her Monday to Thursday. And at the end of it, in two months, I could talk for over five minutes in French. Uh, but my French is kind of not so hot now. But that was um, that was two years ago. But yeah, 
I have a, that's, that process has worked for me. Okay. And so one more time, Monday to Thursday lessons, and then Friday to Sunday off like, or Friday to Sunday is, uh, between the lines, right? That's on, uh, go out and go on Tinder or Bumble dates and practice, but practice mon yeah. Monday, Monday, Thursday, in-person private lessons for two hours. Yeah. And two in Latin hours America, that stuff's cheap. What? Yeah. Two hours a day. That's a, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's a big myth that people think to learn a language, it needs to take you two years, a year and a half. And it's like, it's bullshit, honestly. Like you can learn in two months and, but yeah, two hours a day, Monday to Thursday for two months. And, um, <laughs> I don't know why this made me think of it, but when, when people say like, ¿Cuánto tiempo llevas en, en Medellín? Do you say like five years or do you say like a year? It's a bit, a bit tricky for you to say. You're totally right, man. I'm so glad you said that. Um, so I, I always say, man, I don't know. I, I would say I, I've probably lived here three years of my life. I would say that like, like, he vivido aquí tres años. But, I, like, but then I tell him like, I first got here in 2015. So just to give him some perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I have to say something similar. Cause I have like a couple of different spots and I'll just say like, ah, like, Como voy vengo. <laughs> like, yeah, como yeah. Go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Voy vengo desde como tres años, you know? Yeah, because this digital nomad world, you know, even between digital nomads or foreigners, like, or whatever, people, Americans or Canadians, like, yeah, it's so, our mind, we want to like, we want to put people in boxes, but it just, it isn't, the digital nomad world just messes that all up. We, we can't do it. Yeah, it's it's, it, it's hard to formulate responses not only to like how long have you been here, but also what do you do, and where do you live, where are you from, all these questions. Uh, you have the opportunity to sort of rethink uh, when you become location independent and start working online, living abroad, traveling Latin America. Yeah, yeah, the where do you live one's famous, right? Or like you know, I meet a Colombian girl, and they're like. She's like, you know, oh, so you live here. You live here. I'm like, yes, I live here. But then it's like, so you're never leaving. It's like, I don't know. You know, it, it, yeah. So. Yeah, you should probably say I'm never leaving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they want to know. They want to know you're around. Yeah. That's another hot tip is you always just say you live there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Even, even if you don't. If I, if I took, a, I've never been to Peru. If I showed up tomorrow and I got in the cab. I'd be like, see, vivo in, vivo in Lima. Like, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, um, it, it New job. <laughs> um, yeah, and say something vague, like, oh, I'll pass the summer here. You know, some shit like that. Um, okay, so uh, moving right along. So what is the vision for um, the travel money guy uh, for 2022 and beyond? So I know you, you got the course or, or the kind of the whole community that you want to build up around that. Are you going to brand the community like a different name or? Um... <laughs> Good question. So right now, like the guide, so this Medellin guide, uh, right now the best name I have for it is like Med Medellin Select. Um, because I honestly, I, I'll be honest, like I don't want to give my favorite spots away just like to the internet. I don't want to give it to everyone. I, um, I want people, the guys, the new guys in managing that are coming, the new people that value my inside of managing, you know, um, I want them to have it, but I don't want to just give like, I don't want to give away good spots to just anyone on the internet. So 
my the um i'm actually debating on what to do with the facebook group do i call it like right now i, I created one called the travel money group but i haven't like no one's in it yet i haven't like gone that way but because it's kind of the same as the travel money guy right but i might call it medellin select but then my long long-term vision is like go to another city like i like mexico city a lot and do a guide there but then you know i'd rather just have everyone in the same group because i think if people like me they like my content they're willing to pay for premium content then i think we all you know if we have a hundred guys in that group or even a thousand like we all can help each other out and say Oh, this bar in Mexico City is closed now, but the new one is here. Um, you know, that coffee shop, the Wi-Fi sucks, but the coffee slaps. Um, you know, obviously a whole group can help each other a lot more than just I can. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's an important point. It's something that uh, I'm thinking about a lot for my Latin life as well, as I'm starting to build this up. And I could make sort of a country a country specific product like you know, the living in Mexico product, the living in Panama product, etc. Or I can make something a little bit more general, like, you know, LATAM enthusiasts or, or whatever. And so I, I think maybe you'd have my, my thought process, you'd have like maybe a larger group uh, niche is sort of like niche, but medium large or medium inclusive. And then you can launch like different products to them. So you'd have maybe like the LATAM money or you'd have the travel money group and then you'd launch the Medellin product at them. So sort of like niche products, but then like a slightly larger community that's potentially open to like multiple different products. That's how I'm, I'm thinking about it a bit, but I'm no expert. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, there's a number, number of ways to do it, but, um, but you know, one guy, uh, you, you had, uh, you had Tusk on here, right? Uh, I went on his, I, I went on his account. I streamed on his account. We're going to have him on, uh, for like a, my Latin life podcast, but no, I spoke on his account. Yeah. Well, I met Tusk like a year ago on Rio de Janeiro. Um, and so one thing he does is like, he throws, I don't know if he thinks about it or if he just like, I think he just throws like any guy he meets, he puts him in a WhatsApp group. And it's not even like business wise. He doesn't, he doesn't like put his content in that WhatsApp group, but yeah. So it was like this WhatsApp group, of like a hundred plus guys. Um, and everyone's just like, Oh, Hey, I'm leaving Rio de Janeiro. I'm going to Berlin or, you know, I'm leaving Berlin. I'm going to Madrid and like, yeah. And everyone's like, Oh, I'm in Madrid. And, and I, that was kind of like what spurred my vision. I'm like, you know, and again, back to what I said, like, I want it to be a select group of people. I don't want it to be anyone on the internet. And so, if it's people that like me, they like my content and they have a hundred bucks or so to buy the guide. Like those are the type of people I probably want to hang out with in any, you know, whether it's Mexico city or Playa del Carmen or wherever, I think it, you know, that gets rid of a lot of just like the, the people you probably don't want to hang out with. So that's, that's my vision. Yeah. I like it. It's, um, it's an interesting space to build a community cause you got to keep it clean and everything, but I think there's definitely a lot of value for guys to meet up, find travel partners, potentially business partners, people to work with, uh, things like that. So I 100% agree. Yeah. And and let's be honest. I mean, I'll speak for myself, but yeah, digital nomads, I mean, we can be like lonely as like, we can be super lonely. You're changing cities. Um, your dating life is changing. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, and so I think that is, I know personally, I've had periods, especially during pandemic lockdowns and stuff where, yeah, I've had periods where, yeah, I'm, I'm lonely and, and you, you're looking for community, uh, we're community, you know, minded, uh, um, creatures. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, that's another problem I want to solve, not just telling you where to go, what to do, but also, you know, having that community where, you know, you can get together to watch a football game or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a couple of websites out there, of course, Nomad List. Uh, my friend has a new company called Adventurely, where you can sort of find travel partners. You can also look for uh, hustle houses, hacker houses, kind of like co-living situations where maybe there's a couple digital nomads or, or expats living together uh, in a house. And it's good to find like one month accommodations and stuff like that and places like that. Um, but yeah, it's... it's um. It's it's definitely growing. I mean, the number of digital nomads is is growing exponentially. You know, month over month, year over year, uh, the amount of people from North America um, traveling to and moving to Latin America is just going to continue to grow. It's just it's a no brainer, really, when you can you know basically cut your expenses down by like eighty percent, have a higher standard of living, better weather better adventures, friendlier people, better nightlife, you know, cheap fruit and veg, like better fruit and vegetables. Cause it never yeah, went real on a food. Container. real food. Didn't come on a container ship frozen. Yeah. Like the bananas yeah. you have at home. It, it literally just like came in a truck and never was frozen and it tastes way better. Yeah. Um, Latin America is just way, way better. And you know, uh, as long as there's Wi-Fi, you can get your job done and, you know, spend the rest of your day surfing and everything and um, on, on any level of budget. So I think it's an absolute no brainer, same time zone. I think it's an absolute no brainer for people from Canada and the US to at least sort of set up like a second base, at least sort of start getting your feet wet, learning more about Latin America. There's definitely a little bit of like a cultural divide where there's not too much interaction between um american and latin american culture at least historically there hasn't been i think reggaeton's actually uh reducing that barrier a little bit like you would never hear latin music in a in a new york nightclub you know five years ago or whatever and and now if you, you'll hear j balvin or whatever in a, in a new yeah. york nightclub in a chicago yeah. nightclub uh in a dallas nightclub so i th i think um you know the world's getting smaller for sure um yeah. Any any other uh, last thoughts or things you want to mention? No, I would just say anyone that's watching or listening, uh, I appreciate y'all at least, uh, you know, being being on this. Um, you know, we have there's no shortage of content out there nowadays between all the platforms, and so you know, anyone that's taking the time to to listen or watch this, I really appreciate it. And um, um, but yeah, and for me. Yeah, I'm in Medellin. If you have any questions, if anyone has any questions about Medellin, let me know. Uh, you can leave a comment on my on my channel. Um, actually, Vance, I'm not sure um, what other if you had any other topics you wanted to talk about today. No, no. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up here. I mean, again, I'm here with Kyle, the Travel Money Guy. It's at the Travel Money Guy on Instagram. The YouTube channel is also the Travel Money Guy. And yeah, man, I definitely keep cranking out the content. I'm expecting uh, big things from you in 2022. 
I'll leave all your, your information, uh, in the, in the video details in the show notes when I put this up and, uh, looking forward to the product and, uh, you know, building, building communities together, helping people find the light, the truth of, of $1 beers and palm trees. Well, appreciate it, Vance. Really. Thanks so much for inviting me, man. I enjoyed it. So thanks. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Looking to, looking forward to collaborating in the future and, and thanks again for coming on. Okay. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao, bro.